0: Every woman. Mm-hmm.
1: Every, heart, every woman.
0: Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Mm-hmm. Every heart, every woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview that we have for today, we're going to set the tone with a little bit of live music. This is Everlasting Love. This is from my CD, True Worship. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. I hope you enjoyed that song. It's Everlasting Love from my CD, True Worship. It's available for download everywhere you download music. Well, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find out all of the great information about Love Ministries. Go to their website, Love. That's We always have something great going on at Love Ministries, so we would uh, just love for you to go to the website and find out more information about us. Well, I am so excited to jump into our interview for today. We are welcoming my friend Matthew Bratcher. I've known Matthew from, actually, from our college days at Texas Tech. Sure. Matthew is now working as a cross cultural worker. So uh, welcome, Matthew. First of all, welcome. Yes. Thank you Thank so you much for being much. here. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, Matthew, I I kind of have, I think I kind of know what a cross-cultural worker is. But f- first of all, before we jump into everything and all the, the great work that you're doing, can you tell us uh, a little bit about that term?
2: Yes. So cross-cultural worker is, is someone who works in different cultures, works mm-hmm. with different kinds of people, uh, usually from different um, countries. And so it's a, it's a way that you can help um, a lot of cross-cultural workers, they're able to help people that come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a, um, it's kind of a neat, you know, new thing that we're experiencing more in America as we have refugees come here. And also as, as people travel overseas, sometimes they have opportunities to reach out to different cultures
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's that that's really interesting to me. And I've done a little bit of traveling uh, outside of the country and I kind of have gotten to see and I'm just learning because I'm just great. starting. You that's know, I'm, I I think I've gone out of the country maybe uh, uh, four or five times that's now. Great. And so I'm learning that different countries have um, very. You know, differences in their culture, yes. in their cultures, and maybe the things that we value here, another country doesn't value um, the same, yes. you know, as Americans do. That's and true. then that that dynamic may uh, play out where there are people who are really needing help and can't get the help that they need because yes. of the hi- hierarchy, Yes,
2: you know, that's,
0: that's, that, that's set up in, in other cultures.
2: That's very true.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm thankful and I applaud you for the work that you are doing. And so, like I said, Matthew, we met at Texas Tech. We met um, many, many years ago in college. And so I I believe that even back then, the work that you're doing now, you had this in mind, that you kind of had in mind that you wanted to travel outside of the country and you wanted to be a help. You wanted to be a cross-cultural worker.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that correct? Yeah, I um, actually, you know, it, girl, first of all, when I was when I was in uh, college, you know, I wanted to reach out and help people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of because of my, you know, as I started to just understand more about Jesus and have a relationship with him, and I wanted to start reaching out and helping others. Mm-hmm. Now, I really never didn't think too much about going overseas because our church didn't really focus that, on that too much, you mm-hmm. know, or about maybe helping cross-culturally, for instance. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, when I came to Dallas, started going to Hillcrest Church, and I was involved in a great ministry there, where we we had uh, overseas opportunities to travel. Mm-hmm. And so, when when those opportunities came, and I started realizing, wow, there's there's a whole world out there that that I didn't know so much about.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, the, and there's a lot of people out there who don't know the Lord. And so, um, I realized this is a great opportunity to be able to to share with them,
0: right. Right, yeah, that's that's wonderful. So, how long have you uh, been in this type of work? Where you've been either here helping um, other other refugees that are here in America, or you've been
2: traveling? Yes, I, I started um, originally doing when I was working in in business. I uh, started traveling just short term, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, and then uh, I went into full time full time work, cross cultural work, and. Two
0: thousand
3: eight.
2: Okay,
0: okay. So it's been a while. Yes. So, I, you know, I would love to hear. I know, I know a little bit about um, your travels and the things that you've been able to do, and also some some things that you know one time you were detained yes. you know some some of the the harder obstacles that you've had to work through but first i want to ask you of some of the highlights yes. of
2: of this type of work yes so i think one of the greatest highlights for me is is when you meet people from different cultures and you um you're able to of course uh, learn a lot from them because they come from a totally different culture mm-hmm. and there's a lot of great things they that they know sometimes we don't we may not know right and then the other thing i love is just being able to help people that are you know that are poor Mm -hmm. that are really down and out uh and that are really struggling because in a lot of countries they don't have the opportunities like we have here in america and so a lot a lot of countries when you're when you're poor they look at you and they say well that's just your fate in life you know Mm -hmm. but uh when you're able to help people like that they're so they're so happy and so i think that's the biggest thing is um like for instance, we started an adult education center. We lived in North Africa, mm-hmm. and been able to teach uh, ESL and to help people that really want to learn English to have a because they know there's such a great opportunity to have a better life if they know English. Mm-hmm. And so, just uh, things like that, I, I would say some of the highlights of just being able to travel, you know, overseas and and uh, be able to start start that the program, you know, and then being able to move back here. Uh, we came back at the end of 2012. After being overseas for about three years and then being able to continue some of the work, uh, same type of work here as Mm -hmm. refugees started coming into Dallas yeah, and being able to help them here in America. Yeah.
0: I have learned in my travels, and I'm sure you've seen so much more than than what I've experienced, but I have learned that here, you know, when people are um, maybe low income and they don't have much— in other countries, that that threshold of not having anything truly means that sometimes they have nothing.
2: Yes, like that's Like, right. there's nothing that's in their right. house. That's right.
0: You know, they sleep on the floor. They, they don't have anything. Yes. So, low income here, as opposed to, you know, being kind of at the bottom of society in another country, is a... It, it means two different things. Yes, yeah, that's right. And in my travels, I've learned that people, that, like you said, the education is the main thing that families are trying to get and trying to seek. Yes. But sometimes you need a uniform, Yes. you know, for your kids to go to school. And then a lot of times it's just one uniform. So you're yes. trying to make that uniform stretch when they grow. Yes. You're, you know, washing that uniform every night, sewing it yes. up and all that kind of thing, you know, that's trying right. to make sure it doesn't have holes in it or it doesn't have holes that people can see. Like it's yeah. it's on another level.
2: That's right. You know, in other that's countries when when you don't
0: have anything. Yes. That's yeah. very true. So this this work is is really rewarding. And a lot of times in America, like you said, we don't know. Yes. We, we don't see. We don't know. We don't – we're not aware of um, how people are struggling in in other countries. Yes. And you can do – a little bit goes a long way. I've learned that also.
2: Have you learned that? That's right. That's very true because you're exactly right, and especially in a lot of countries where there is no – very few churches,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, they right. And, and the government is basically in charge, and mm-hmm. and they you know authoritarian government, and they control all the resources. Mm-hmm. And so, if you happen to not have the education, or to have, be in the right family, or the right situation, or you're basically you know in a really tough situation, right? You could basically starve, you know, right. Without someone helping you, right? And so, I think that's where the where we've seen, I think, throughout history, a lot of Christians that have been able to help. People in these really tough situations, Mm -hmm. and you realize it just—it's all the Lord, because we want to help them to know Jesus, but then we also want to take take care of their physical needs as Mm -hmm, well, just mm -hmm. like Jesus did, right? And so you see, that's kind of the whole gospel that's able to really help transform people's lives,
0: right? Right? And you know, when I came back from um, my first time in Africa, it really starts. So I've been twice, and. Um I don't know that trip kind of sticks with me like yes. I never forget it. Yes. I never forget the people that I saw and the conditions yes. they're living in very serious conditions. Yes. Like you said it is very easy to starve yes. in another sure. country. And That's we right. we don't understand that until yes. we actually see it. That's Even right. listening to this this radio show I'm sure people are thinking you don't actually starve, you know, mm-hmm. but people do actually Starve, yes. starve, and die. That's true. And, 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 you know, they can't get the help they need. But when I came back the first time, I thought I need to teach my children how to share the gospel, yes. how to share their faith. Yes. Um, because maybe sometimes that's not something that we do mm-hmm. here, yes. you know, a, yes. a lot. And yes. we don't know how to approach sharing our faith. Yes. Um, We, of course, are Christians and we're loving people and we, you know, are seeking to help people. But actually saying the words, actually sharing your testimony and sharing how you came to Jesus, uh, how you came to know about Jesus, and then how you came into relationship with him. Because to me, those two are different things. That's right. How you came in relationship with him and then how you can you know, share, saying, you know, this is how you can accept Jesus yes. as, as your personal Savior.
3: That's we right. can't
0: forget to teach our children, Yes, you know, those those things. That's right. Um, So, Matthew, tell me um, something about, a little bit about the work that you are doing now, because yes. now you're not so much traveling yes. and, right. and living, and I'll ask you more questions about that, because you've even yes. had children out of the— out of America, right? Yes, yes. Away from America. Yes, one of
2: my child was born overseas.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing um, here.
2: Yes. So we uh, here in Dallas, we partner with uh, different organizations that are uh, reaching out to refugees, mm-hmm. especially, and also to internationals too. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of people here from different that have come from different countries here, in, especially in Dallas mm-hmm. and uh, Fort Worth, and. We have uh, a lot of people from North Africa uh, that have come here from uh, countries like Sudan and Egypt. Mm -hmm. And we have um, uh, Libya and many countries like that, North Africa. And then we have a lot from Asia as well, like uh, Burma, Mm -hmm. uh, Myanmar. And um, so there's a lot of refugees coming to the Middle East, Syria. You know, it's been a big uh, influx because of the war in Syria. Okay. And uh, also in Iraq. So we have a lot of refugees coming from that uh those parts of the world. And so what we do is we we help teach English. Mm-hmm. It's one of the big big helps that we are able to do because when people get here to America, you can imagine going into a country where you realize, you know, you're they're so happy to mm-hmm. be here in America, but then right. many times they don't know very little English or sometimes not at all. Mm. And so they really and it usually takes them at least a couple of years, sometimes longer to learn English. Mm-hmm. And so we we uh, teach uh, English as a second language, and they're so we offer free classes. That's a huge help uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of the people. Uh, we go. We also go and visit them in their homes. We find out what their needs are. Okay. Try to help them to find a job. Uh, we we try to help them with their bills. A lot of times they get a lot of the bills they don't understand. Right. All these bills, you know, mm-hmm. and how to take care of how to pay them and and those kind of things. And then what we do is is we're looking for like you said, a chance to share with them more about the love of Jesus Mm -hmm. and to be able to help them, you know, on their way, be able to share the hope that we have, kind of like you're saying, Mm -hmm. because a lot of, and the great thing is a lot of them, even though they come from different backgrounds, a lot of times they're open to hear more Mm -hmm. about Jesus because a lot of times they don't know as much about Jesus Mm -hmm. many times. And so um, it's a great opportunity to really, really get to know them as family. Mm -hmm. And they're so hospitable, a lot of times they'll invite us into their home and we'll stay for Sometimes many hours, mm-hmm. and just be able to just to get to know them, hear their story, like you're saying, here where they come from, mm-hmm. all the challenges they've. they've gone through war. Mm-hmm. Many miraculously escaped, you know, unbelievable situations. Yes, and so just getting to hear their story and saying, "Hey, we'll, we'll we'll be here to help you," it's just a huge blessing for them because they realize, wow, because when they come here, a lot of times they feel like they're all alone,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: they feel like, well I might know a couple people, but uh, they don't know hardly any Americans. Mm-hmm. And so most refugees, they live here for many years. They never meet an American, you know, mm. cause especially in Dallas, people are, are really busy and people are working their jobs. And mm. a lot of times people don't don't um, have a lot of time to stop and really be able to help, right? you know, the refugees and people like that.
0: Yeah, that, um, you know what, that's true. You know, I haven't thought about that, that um, when people are coming, they, you know, they don't know anything about how anything works here yes. so i'm so glad that you do, that you are doing this work and i have found that that people are very when when you are helping them and when you are um seeking to meet their needs seeking to meet their physical needs yes. you know first they are very yes. open to hearing about the love of jesus and yes and they'll listen
2: yes for right. for hours that's right
0: you know for hours for you to share and and then it's also it's it's never a bad thing to hear someone else's story and to be able to understand what they have been through you know and to 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 get their backstory i have heard many 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 miracles of how people were running through you know gunshots and everything and somehow they met up with their family members and they you know got the opportunity to come to america and and the lord is still performing miracles and a lot of times we uh you know like you said don't hear these stories don't see you know have the opportunity to see these things and see the lord yes. in this way yes. you know the lord really is still performing miracles today yes, and right. and 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 a lot of the refugees have you know have these stories of how god has saved them yes. and removed them from terrible situations
2: yes that's right
0: yeah so so that that's really good so tell us about um the English as a second language because yes. I know that this is an area of opportunity that we can partner, yes. you know, with you and yes. help.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so I've been helping, uh, with different organizations, uh, such as, uh, there's an organization called for the nations mm-hmm. and here in Garland, uh, there's another organization called, uh, the Arab American learning center mm-hmm. that I've helped with and uh, other organizations as well that I've worked with. And, um, so what I, what we're able to do is is just invite refugees in. A lot of times we pick them up and okay. bring them to the class, sometimes mm-hmm. if they need a ride. Um, and then what we're able to do is be able to offer them free classes, which is a real blessing, and then be able to uh, help them, you know, meet with them in their home, find out, you know, what do they need, you know, how, how are they doing with learning English? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a process of, you know, learning English, it really takes a lot of practice. Right. And sometimes when they go home, if they're speaking their native language mm-hmm. uh, a lot at home, and they don't get much of a chance, or if they don't have a job mm-hmm. uh, that they have where they're working with Americans, then they don't really get a chance to practice, and so sometimes right. they can live here for many years.
3: Right, right.
2: So anyway, it's a great opportunity to be able to to be able to help them and say, "Hey, we're going to help you learn English mm-hmm. so that you can thrive here in America."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so uh, we've noticed as a, over the time that those who really who are really uh, dedicated to doing that to learning English, they really start to thrive. You know, mm-hmm. it, it takes them some time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we kind of help them think about the long-term plan, too, because it could be overwhelming. And we experienced this. We lived overseas, too. Right. When you live in a culture where you can't – where English is not the first language. you, uh, My wife and I learned some of the language when we were overseas and, uh, and some Arabic and the Arabic language. And we realized that, wow, it's so hard when you, you're just trying to learn a language and mm-hmm. you can't communicate with people. You feel like you're just – on the outside right, and you don't have a lot of opportunities. And so we, so we help them is to, to be able to learn the language so they can really feel like, wow, you know, I have opportunities here and people care about me and they realize, wow, you know, Christian people, they care about me and right. they're helping right. me.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, you, I I experienced that when I'm in Africa and mm-hmm. in Costa Rica. Yes. You want to have just a simple conversation. Yes. Hello, how are you doing? Yes. How are your kids doing? Yes. You know, the same thing that you would have here. Yes. And it is difficult because you don't know the language. And imagine being an adult
3: yes.
0: and going to another country. Yes. And, you know, because you, you, right. you learn your language when you're a child and when you're able to you know, yes. to pick it up really easily. Yes. When you're an adult, it's hard for you to, first of oh, all, yes. remember things. It is. Yes. You know? That's
2: right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's hard to remember things. And yes. so you
0: put yourself in another culture, you know, with, you know, different language, and, and, and it can be truly difficult. Yeah. So, Matthew, we're so excited about the work that you're doing, and I want to ask you more about, you know, when you were living abroad. Yes. Um, so let's take a break, though, and we will be back in just a minute. Every Heart, Every Woman, the show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Now let's get back to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Uh, We are having a great conversation with Matthew Bratcher. Matthew is a cross-cultural worker, and he's been kind of opening our eyes to the work um, that he does with refugees here in America and just kind of trying to give us a sense of what it feels like to move from another country to—I shouldn't say move—to be blessed you know mm-hmm. to escape a yeah. lot of times from uh, a situation in another country and be here in America yes. but then when you get here you have to learn English. You have to learn how to survive. You have to have a place to live. You yes. have to have a place to work. You have to be able to communicate. Um, you have to be able to pay bills and and meet the needs of your children and and all of those things. And yes. so people really need lots of help, you yes. know, when when they're here. And it, and it's not an easy thing, yes. you know, to put yourself in another country, um, another culture, and then survive. Yes. you know, For in sure. that culture. Well, Matthew, I wanted to ask you some about when you were living, you know, outside of America. Yes. You and your wife, Tabitha, um, you all were living for how many years? About. Yeah, we
2: lived about three years. Three years. Yeah, okay. North Africa.
0: In North Africa. And... Um, Life that, you know, the Lord allows you to do many things. You know, I remember that Tabitha told me that you were able to um, to meet people and to um, be invited, you know, into their, their home. And yes. it was just the, the power of the Holy Spirit that yes. would give you favor with people yes. where you could share with them right. and, and, and help, you know, and help people there. And w- so when you're there, is it mostly just, you know, is it? walking up to people and beginning to to talk with them and to share or did you were you working with an organization and it was you know more through an organization or church or something yes.
2: yes we uh we basically had a uh we, we got a uh, a visa and to be able to go and to teach english okay and so it was it was a real blessing you know like i was saying to be able to just help them to learn english mm-hmm. and through that we made a lot of relationships at, yes. through our english center and um and I remember when we were overseas, we had about about 170 students in our that, are, that were adults in our class mm-hmm. classes, and so we just made a lot of f- friends that way. And yeah. people are just really a lot of times really friendly in Africa, even though they might have heard bad things like where we lived. Mm-hmm. You know, they usually when they think of America, it was kind of in a bad way. You know, they right, think of right. America as the, we're the bad. You know, because that's just all they've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so sometimes we we're the first Americans that they had seen. You know, in a long time or or maybe at all and so but it was it was neat to just they were kind of curious you know they so they wanted to to invite us over They're very hospitable culture a lot of Mm -hmm. times you know in africa so they would invite us over their home and we would just get a chance and to eat with them and to be able to just talk to them more and share with them about america hear their stories you know about about their lives and then be able to see how we could help them Mm -hmm. and so um it was just really a great opportunity to to really you know our whole family and like I said, my my third child, Isaiah, was born when we were over there, mm-hmm. and so, uh, but it, so it was just wonderful to see, you know, how how ex- how neat the people were to accept us even more from a different culture that they they don't know, and then how we're able to help them with English and help them with sometimes sometimes their physical needs, mm-hmm. and just be able to share with them more about the love of Jesus as well.
0: Yes, yeah, and like you said, people are very friendly. Yes, you know, in in other countries countries and they are open to, to hear about Jesus. You know, they, they really are. But I also know that um, you did have to work through some obstacles. One time you were detained and, and Tabitha got in touch with us and asked us to pray and we were praying and this happened over several weeks. Um, And she said she was trying to get, you know, to be able to see you, to be able to give you, you know something simple. I think it was your contacts and your contact solutions. Yes. you know, right. and and that kind of thing, and to make sure that you were okay. But I don't know if she was ever able to see you. So, t- you know, tell us about. Um, I know you can't tell us everything yes. about that time, but tell us about that time. Um, yes. um, because I know that there, that when you move to another country and try to help. Mm-hmm. You're not always seen as it's not always seen as a good thing. Yes,
2: that's you know true. you're right. You're exactly right. Yes, it was October 2012, and we've been living uh, overseas almost almost three years at that point. And uh, one day, I just uh, was going to teach my class, and mm-hmm. people of the government showed up with uh, machine guns, and they said, mm-hmm. "Okay, uh, get in the car with us." And so I realized, okay, and I realized that they were probably part of the government. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how they identified themselves, mm-hmm. even though they weren't dressed that way. And so I, you know, I went with them and um, and they started just to ask me a lot of questions, kind of go through it, like an interrogation kind mm-hmm. of process. And I started realizing that, that you know, they were really upset about some things. And a lot of things were happening in the country at that time. And it was part of the uh, Arab Spring. And a lot of countries were protesting. There's a lot of revolutions that were happening. Mm-hmm. And things like that, and so it was very, it was a really difficult time. I think in the government situations because they started to become real suspicious of mm-hmm. foreigners, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I even had a friend of mine tell me, he said, "Don't, don't even go to church because he said, you know, if you go, someone find out you're American, they may just kill you, hmm. just because they're looking for Americans to, to take out." You know, mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, this is really very serious. Yes. And so I just started to pray the Lord would just guide me, even as I talked to these young men that were you know, an older man, they started asking to ask me a lot of questions and, you know, they started to just be kind of curious about, about my faith too, because in, in their country, uh, basically everybody comes from, you know, different, different faith. Mm-hmm. And so they, they come from a Muslim background. They're asking a lot of questions about my faith. But one thing I like, I really liked, even while I was there, I had a chance to really share with them more about who Jesus really is, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so in their background, they look at Jesus as a, as a prophet. And I was able to tell them that Jesus was really more than a prophet. He really, mm-hmm did come to die for us, and He really was the true way and the, and the, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So they really, um, we really had a good conversation about that as I was being interrogated for about 24 hours, and and then I kept, you know, they kept telling me, well, we're gonna, we'll send you home, you know, mm-hmm. pretty soon, we're gonna let you go back, and, and then, um, but sure enough, they, uh, as the night started to wear on, I've been there all day, you mm-hmm. know, till early in the morning, it was about one in the morning, I had one of the head of security come in and he said um, he said well you're we know you're doing some illegal activities and he started accusing me of a lot of things mm-hmm. that were not true and uh, and I said no I, sir I've never he said you know you're giving up money to people to get them to convert to to your faith mm-hmm. and I said no sir I've never would never do that you know I said I'm just here I said I am a christian I love people but I'm respectful of your faith
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know I'm and I'm not I would never do anything like that and uh and so, uh, but they told me they said, we'll just stay here, sleep in the sleep in the police station mm-hmm. first thing in the morning we'll we'll send you home mm-hmm. so I realized well, I couldn't really argue with them too much, you know, because mm-hmm. i I realized that they you know were very serious about everything they were saying, so I just went to sleep that night, I remember just reading my Bible and I was I happened to have my Bible with me in my backpack, and I was just reading and and praying before I went to sleep, and um I think it was about six o'clock in the morning, they said. Okay, get up. We're gonna take you home, and I said okay. And so I'm just, of course, thinking that I'm they're gonna take me back to my house mm-hmm. with my wife and kids. Because I knew my wa- my wife Tabitha was really concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was really concerned about where I was at. I, I had a chance to talk to her just one time, okay. kind of miraculously, on the phone before uh, while I was at the police station. And then after that, all of a sudden, I getting in the, getting this little small truck, kind of like a Ford Ranger, mm-hmm. kind of driving down the street. And all of a sudden the guys turned to me and they said, they started, you know, to be very serious. And they said, okay, look straight ahead. I said, okay. So I'm looking straight ahead and I said, and then I said, by the way, I live over in that area. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought maybe they, you know, turned the wrong way. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, they didn't, they said, uh, don't, don't talk anymore or something like that. So I was just real quiet. And Before I knew it, all of a sudden they put this huge hood, one of those big hoods, kind of like you see in a, one of those, you know, kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And they put this huge hood over my head. And I th- I start thinking, oh my gosh, you know they they might just kill me, you know, because mm. I realized, like some of these guys, you know, being in the government and just the background and some of the radical, you mm-hmm. know, beliefs of some people that they look at me as as a real enemy now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so I just started praying, and my first thoughts were I just started thinking of Stephen in the Bible and how how he was how he was sharing the gospel and they picked up stones and just killed him, you mm-hmm. know, and I started thinking, Lord, I pray this won't be my last my last hour, you know. Mm-hmm because I started thinking they are just they could just tie me up and, you know, throw me in the river mm-hmm. there um, and, you know, just say, well, we don't know what happened to him, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I just started praying. I was just like, oh, Lord, please uh, save me. And because I started thinking about my wife and we just had, you know, our three kids. Our son was just born there. he's about a year old and mm-hmm. our other two older kids. I thought, well, wow, what's going to happen for my wife if something happens to me? And, and um, but they drove me into the, all the way uh, across the city and it's kind of a huge area, kind of like we have in Dallas. and we finally got to this uh, uh, prison and they brought me in. I didn't know where I was at exactly and they they took off the hood and I was just kind of I was just happy that I was alive at this mm-hmm. point in it. Mm-hmm. but then they started to um, they put like a blindfold over me and then started to kind of you know take off my wedding ring, you know take take my empty my pockets mm. And so I started realizing, wow, this is really serious, you know, of course. And I, I was just praying. I was like, Lord, just give me strength to, you know, I just, you know, I wasn't angry at them. I just, God gave me a love for them because I realized, you know, they thought, you know, you know, it's like kind of like what Stephen said. It's like, and what Jesus said is, Father, forgive them. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know? And I realized like, they don't know, you know, that I'm just here to help people. They, right. they, they think I'm the, I'm the enemy, you know? And so, but they brought me back to this, they started to lead me down the hall and I just felt my heart beating real strong because I thought they're just going to. They're just going to beat me up rural bad. They mm-hmm. might just go ahead and kill me. And I was just praying. I was like, Lord, just please protect me and my— and My biggest concern was about my wife, too, mm-hmm. and my kids. Because I thought, you know, if something does happen to me, you know, the Lord will be with me, even through the tough times. But but I thought my, my kids and my wife, they're going to really suffer a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, they, um, they led me down the hall, got into this room, and it was all this— just a steel walls, a very strange place. I could tell it was kind of a torture room, mm-hmm. you know. That they use and, I, but they took off when they took off the blindfold. I was happy there was just two guys sitting at a table, ready to ask me questions. Okay, and so I was, I was happy that you know they were going to ask me more questions rather than you know just start be, you know beating mm-hmm. me up real bad. And and uh, they they just started to say you know, we want to ask you some more questions while you're here. And and finally they, finally I said, sir, I'm just here to help people you know and they said well here's the thing we're gonna we'll release you real soon they said and so then he was kind of guy was kind of quiet i said well when would that be you know <laughs> and so, <laughs> so i just thought i oh, might as well ask you know mm-hmm. and he was he said well we'll let you know and then after that all of a sudden they he um they put the blindfold back on me and they kind of led me out of the out of this room and led me upstairs to this prison and they kind of just put me in the cell and dropped me off there, mm-hmm. and kind of took off the blindfold at that point. And so, of course, I was happy I was still alive. Mm-hmm. But I realized I just started praying. I just, I just thought, oh, they're gonna, they might just starve me to death here, you mm-hmm. know? They might, you know. And I don't know what's gonna happen. I just, all this kind of, these thoughts of fear just kind of started coming over me about my wife and kids. I wouldn't see them again. All these kind of things. And um, I just started praying to the Lord. I just said, Lord, just Please be with me to save me. I started thinking about Paul and Silas when mm-hmm. they were in prison, mm-hmm. how they just worship God. And yes. I said, Lord, you're with me even in this horrible dark prison and you're gonna I was like, You're gonna make a way. And I just started, you know, praying and just praying for my wife and kids and, and just thinking, Wow, this is these are those times you kinda of read about in the Bible that, you know, we don't always you know, we all go through different types of trials, you know, right. we never know when it's right. gonna happen to us. Right. And I realized I was like, This is one of the deepest trials of my life that I'd ever experienced. And but the Lord was with me, and I, I was there about three weeks, about 21 days. And through that time, uh, it was really a miracle that I, that I was able to get out mm-hmm. so quickly because they were going to hold me uh, for a long time. Uh, they wouldn't let me speak to, wouldn't let me speak to uh, my wife or anybody. But they started to bring me food, okay, which I was really happy. And then I started thinking, well, what if they, what if they put poison in my food? Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all right. these thoughts go through your head, right. you know, because I knew they didn't like. But I just, I kept telling them, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're, some of the people are really happy. I realized some of the people that they were really nice. Other people were not as nice, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I just realized I'm stuck in this cell. And the worst thing is I got real sick. The worst, you know, one of the worst things too, overseas too, you drink the water. Right. That's all I have is to drink the water over there. Right. I just got ill where I thought, I thought I could just die here because Mm -hmm. I'm so sick. Mm -hmm. And I was just, my stomach was going crazy. And I just, I remember just praying to the Lord. I was like, Lord, just be with me. And. Helped me to somehow, and when I was, I think it was on the eighth day, they finally let me out of the cell, which was really a miracle because mm-hmm. they usually don't let you out. And they said, uh, they just put me in a, put me the blindfold back on. They put me in a, a, a truck again, started driving me down the street. That's the worst thing. You just don't know. They do a lot of psychological things. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just mm-hmm. don't know what's going on. You know what? Are, where are they taking me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so as we're driving, you know, and you have this thought to I've, I've heard other people say this Like when you're You're captured Some people like Or you're kidnapped Kind of like my situation You realize That's why sometimes people Just panic And they start Trying to run for it Even when they mm-hmm. Even when logically they, they don't think you can get away mm-hmm. I kind of had that thought mm-hmm. You know I had this thought I'm going to I'm going to take off I'm going to run You know I was like, I'm, I'm fast, you know. I, used to, I did a lot of sports, you know, played right. football. So I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna break out of here. but I thought, well, I gotta go ca- then get my wife and kids, mm-hmm. get to the airport. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's, it's not gonna work. These guys, you know. But these thoughts just go through your head, you know, these crazy thoughts, like I gotta get out of here. They're gonna hold me forever. Mm-hmm. But I was just praying. I was like, Lord, no, I gotta, I gotta just stay with this whatever, whatever's happening, you know. So they finally led me to this. Um, End up going into this. I was in another prison, but there was, there was actually a lady there with the American Embassy, which I was really amazed. And uh, she said, where have you been? I said, well, I've been in prison. She was shocked.
3: Mm -hmm. And I
2: said, and uh, she was just surprised. She's like, well, why did they put you in prison? I said, I really don't know. They just, you know, they ask me a lot of questions. They accuse me of things that are not true. And I'm here with actually a lot of the people from this country too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want to say too much. Of course, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, she's real upset. And she said, this is not right. They can't hold you like this. But, of course, in other countries, they don't abide by, you know, right. our laws, you mm-hmm. know, and by the United Nations a lot mm-hmm. of time. So anyway, but the real hope that she, this lady helped me so much because, and the Lord just used her because she said, I want to, I've been talking to your wife. She's in an undisclosed location. We're going to, we're going to make a way to help you any way we can. But she said, here's the thing. We just can't, we don't have a lot of good relationship mm-hmm. in this country I was at. And they said, we can't do a whole lot. So we're just going to have to somehow hope that you can get out uh, somehow, mm-hmm. and uh, so it didn't give me a lot of hope from the physical ways, but I just knew I was like, "Lord, you're going to help me." Right. But I was so helpful that at least I had someone helping me, and I said, "I said, hey, could you get me some bottled water? And could you help me?" And so she was just am- a ama- you know amazing to be able to help me in that way. Mm-hmm. She's like, "I'll get you some bottled water. I'm going to talk to your wife to try to help you get uh, a few things that you need," and um, so she that made a huge impact because. And I remember she gave me her card. She goes, "Well, here's my card." And I thought, "Well, I wish I could call you. <laughs> I don't have I I don't if I can have a phone. Unfortunately, I don't have you know, any way to contact you. But I, but I would right. put her card when I got back to the cell, and I would just put her card, and I would just pray all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Lord, just use this lady somehow yes. make a way."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, I mean, it's it's really a miracle story because really, when they hold you, a lot of times, like in these situations, they will usually hold you for sometimes many months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the charge is real serious because over there, just for sharing the gospel, it's a penalty of death. Okay. And, and so I started mm-hmm. to be really concerned. It's like, they're going to they're gonna bring me to trial. And over there, you don't get a fair trial, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, if they bring me to trial, what's going to happen? Right. You know, and they're going to convict me. And then I'm going to be facing a really horrible situation, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was just praying. I was like, Lord, just please somehow. And it's one of those situations where you kind of keep reading the Bible where it's like God delivered you know, like, like Paul, you know, so many times. And, uh, and you just realize, wow, God can do miraculous things. But of course, right. when you're in the midst of it, you're just praying, you're thinking, this, I don't know how this can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how I can get out of mm-hmm. here. But each day I was just there. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, a watch or anything, but I would just kind of pray. And I felt like that was my job was just to pray each day and say, Lord, I pray you would just bind all the evil spirits here. Mm-hmm. I pray you would bind all the, in, what the enemy's trying to do. And I pray you would release you know, uh, your power to for these people to see Jesus mm-hmm. in me, you know, that I could be an example of them who Jesus is. Because mm-hmm. I realized, you know, a lot of these people have never heard the true story of Jesus. I didn't, right. you know, and the, even the guys I got to share with beforehand, even though they were angry at, at me, but they they really listened when I shared with them, you know, for probably uh, probably 30 minutes to an hour, just mm-hmm. all about the story of Jesus mm-hmm. and, and basically mm-hmm. the whole Bible. What? Ha- why did Jesus come, you know? And I thought, you know, the, the Lord's going to reach these people, you know? But uh, but I have to just be faithful to to be here as long as God wants me to be here, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but miraculously, um, it was like the 20, 21st day, they came and they said uh, it was about midnight. So it reminded me of like Paul and Silas, you know. Right, right. And of right. course, I'm just a normal guy, but I'm just praying. I was like, Lord, you did it for Paul; you could do it for me, even though he's an unbelievable man of God. And I and all of a sudden they said, "Well, you're free to go. Hmm. We're gonna let you go." And at first I kind of thought, well, maybe they're joking because mm-hmm. they had said things like this before, you know, mm-hmm. and then they would kind of laugh and say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, we're just kidding, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so they said, no, really, you're free. And I went down and, uh, I had, uh, money in my bag to give me all the money back. They gave me my okay. wedding ring back. Okay. They gave me all, the, you know, which I'd prayed. I was like, Lord, I was like, it doesn't matter to me, but if you can give me everything back, I'll pray that I was like, cause all this is gifts from you. Right. And they gave me every, it was unbelievable because they don't, in other countries, once they take your things, they don't. You don't get right. Them back. Right, You know, because it's, it's kind of part of the way that—unfortunately, of the, unfortunately, the corruption and the challenges that a lot of countries mm-hmm. have. You know? And so—but they took me to the airport, and um, even when they took me to the airport, I started praying. I was like, Lord, they could just turn around because they had done this before when they arrested me, before they had, they had taken me to my house, before mm-hmm. they— before they took me to the prison and then they drove me all the way back home and said, well, you're staying here in the police station. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, what if they just drive me to the airport and then drive me all the way right back? It's right. like, well, we will just kidding and kind of right. laugh about it. And it's kind of like a psychological mm-hmm. torture they do, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, after I was there for a while, they finally let me out of the prison. I mean, out of the, you know, police car, you know, and I went in and I got to see my wife and kids.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, but even then it was we, we ran into another challenge because we didn't have we were going with the security. Of this country and we don't have the right visa mm. and so they're telling us no you can't get through security mm-hmm. and so this is about three o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden uh, we just started praying and they're calling the head of security of this country right 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 and they're asking them please would you give us visas for mm-hmm. the-? And I, I, I told Tabitha my wife I, I, you know after I haven't seen her for three weeks when I told her I said please pray because if they don't get the visa, they're going to send me back to prison. Mm-hmm. And then if I go back, who knows how long mm-hmm. I'll be back in there because mm-hmm. they might think, let's just go ahead and hold him and bring him to trial. And, mm-hmm. and we started praying, and miraculously, at 3 o'clock in the morning, they reach, you know, the head of security. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes up there to stamp all of our, which is a miracle because I thought he could have just slept right through that. and right, said, right. I'm not coming up there, you know. Uh, and they take us on the plane, and everyone's just, you know, they'd held up the plane for over an hour. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just sitting on the plane, mm-hmm. <laughs> look, and they're looking at us like, I'm like, where have you guys been? <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, You will not believe will not where believe we have been. Story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it was a, it was just a miracle of God. And just that is a miracle. And I was just thinking about all the people that we had. It was sad too because we all people we had to reach and we had to leave, you know, mm-hmm. so abruptly. But I just thought, you know, the gospel is really planted there through all the a lot of the workers that were there. Yes, and yes. A lot of the people that were there. And I thought, yes. you know, the people are getting to hear Jesus. Yes, yes. And see who yes. Jesus is, you know. Yes.
0: Man, that is a story, Matthew. I just, you know, that, that, that reminds us that we have to keep our um, Americans who are living in other countries, continue to pray for them, continue to support them. They need you. Yes. You know, they need you. So Matthew, tell us, um, we're about to run out of time, but tell us how we can partner
2: with you. Yes. Yes. I would love if you're interested, you know, in our ministry to learn more, Uh, you can email me at. Uh, mbratcher7 uh, at gmail.com mm-hmm. That's mbratcher and then the number 7 gmail.com uh, or you can contact me on my phone too. My cell phone is uh, uh, 214-431-9036 mm-hmm. and I'd love to have a chance to just talk to you, talk to anyone who's interested in our, hearing more about our ministry and yes. how we help refugees and uh, if you're interested in you know, working with us to help us and um, we'd love to just be able to share more about what God's doing, yeah, because God's just doing so many great things, yeah, here in America,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you know, you God. you've touched all of us, and and we want to encourage you um, to to continue to continue to move forward, to continue to reach out amongst uh, other cultures, and to help. Yes. Um, well. Everyone, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a five hundred one c 3 nonprofit organization. Go to loveministriesbuilds.org for all of the information about Love Ministries. Uh, I will have Matthew's information as well on my website. It's K-A-R-L-A-N-I-V-E-N-S dot com. My name is Carla Nivens. We will see you back here next week.